Will you pray with me? And we will ask God to work today in our hearts. Take a moment before I pray. Whether And do this at home as well. I know maybe it's a little different at home and got other things going on. Maybe even multitasking. I read study this week that I think 30% or 40% of people are multitasking while watching the sermon. Let's just, you know, just stop that. And, and just take a moment before I pray and just ask God to speak to you. You know your life. You know your heart. You know what's going on with you. And just tell him that your heart is open. Tell him that you want uh, to give this time to him. Father, we're here today, and uh, we, we want to, uh, to hear from you, God. We want to listen to you. We want to be shaped by you, to be formed by you. Would you speak to each of us? You know the conviction that we need. You know the comfort we need. You know the leadership in our life that we need. God, you know every person's name here today. And you know every person online. You know every person present here. God, you know us. And we want your voice speaking to us. So I ask God that you would do that. And that you would allow us to be soft to receive from you. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. We've been going through the Psalms, and if this is your first time joining us, or if you've been here for a while, you know we've been going through the Psalms. And in the Psalms, really what we've been looking at is that life is a, life is a journey. And with life as a journey, what that means is that we start and we end, but along the way, there's a lot of ups and downs and twists and turns and stops, and there's good things and bad things, there's hard things, there's, there's apathy, there's celebration, there's sorrow, there's thanksgiving, there, there's all sorts of things that happen in the, the journey of life. And, and really, the Psalms is a book that, that calls us to and invites us to bring all of that to God, to connect our life with God. Whether, that's, whether life is going great for you right now or life is filled with anxiety for you right now or, or you're just kind of numb right now, whatever it is, life is a journey and our greatest need, and the Psalms helps us to do this, it gives voice to this, our greatest need is to connect with God in the middle of whatever is going on in our life. That's what the Psalms has been helping us do, but the reality is that we forget. We forget to connect our life with God in what we're going through. We forget to see who God is. We forget, and if we do that, if we forget or if we uh, grow numb or don't think that coming to him is really what we need, if that is what happens, we really miss out. The greatest need that we have is in our journey of life to have God connected to it. But if we forget that, then ultimately what happens is we miss out. 
we actually miss out on what God intends for us. And the psalm that we're going to look at today to, to close our series out is actually the last psalm, Psalm 150. And we're going to be looking at that psalm because it's concluding the book of Psalms. And I thought it would be a good concluding fit for our time together. And in a lot of ways, it kind of sums up the things that we have been talking about. In every line in that psalm is a command to praise. It says, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. It, it commands us to praise every line. And that might seem redundant. It might even seem, and maybe some of you have wondered this in the Bible's various commands to praise God, is why are we commanded to praise God? Why is there a call over and over again to praise God? C.S. Lewis has a book on the Psalms that I would commend to anyone, and he has a chapter on praise and this idea of why is it that we are told over and over again, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, to worship God or to praise God? Why are we, why are we called to that? And I, I want to give you a handful of reasons before we actually look at what this says. Uh, let me give you four quick reasons on why it is that we are called to praise. And especially when you look at this psalm and every line begins with praise him, praise God, praise him, praise him. Why so, why, why so many times? Why is that the call? And the first reason is because it's, it's good and right. It's fitting. I mean, if, if there's something amazing, the right response to that thing is to praise it. If you go on a beautiful hike, you go up to Rocky Mountain National Park, or if you go in, you know, I know a lot of you like to go to Moab. If you go to Moab or you go to some of these beautiful places, I mean, the right thing to do isn't to just stand there and go, hmm, and then walk away. The right thing to do is to say, wow, that's amazing. The right thing to do is to take a picture. The right thing to do is to, to take it all in and go, man, this is great. That is the right thing to do because that thing is worthy of it. How much more so God. So that's one of the reasons the Bible calls us to praise is because it's really the only fitting response to who God is. A second reason that the Bible calls us to praise is because, and I mentioned this earlier, but it's because we forget. We forget and we need the reminder. We live our lives and we, we looked at this last week in the Psalms. It's, he, David says, turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and instead to give me life according to your word. We live our life in our tendency as our eyes to get off focus of God, right? I mean, our eyes get focused on all of our problems. Our eyes get focused on other things that maybe we want, other goals, other passions, other pursuits, and to forget God. And so it's a reminder that we need. And then Perhaps um, the greatest reasons that the Bible calls us to this is because, hang on, this thing is, I don't think this thing is going to work for me. I'm going to grab a different one of these. That's all right. So I think probably the greatest reason that the Bible actually calls us to this is it's simply overflow. Anything that you enjoy, anything that you love, you automatically praise it. For those of you that have had newborn children or have uh, had family that have had newborns, nieces, nephews, you, you automatically go, oh, look, at he's so cute. Look, she's so beautiful. Oh, this is so great. Oh, you, you automatically even talk in a high-pitched voice and you're just like, oh, and that automatically happens. No one needs to tell you to praise something that you love. 
you talk about what you love, even a TV show that you love, you, you automatically overflow. And then he, here's part of it. You don't just overflow. You want to invite others into that. You want to invite others into it. See, if you, if you, have, a, if you have a great show that you love, and probably many of you, you know, there's a certain show that you're like, oh, this is the best show ever. You, you don't just think that. You want to tell your friends to watch it also. You tell them, hey, watch this. This is so good. Because you calling other people to praise something actually completes your joy in it. And if you didn't call other people to praise it, if you didn't call other people to experience it, if you yourself didn't praise it, it wouldn't feel as complete. The praising completes the joy. And the invitation to invite others into it completes the joy. See, if you eat a delicious meal and you just go, that's not as good as going, oh, yum. The, the praising of it completes your joy. And when you can tell other people and say, oh, you've got to try this. Oh my gosh, try this right. Maybe today would have been a good day for donuts because we could have been doing this together. But you just remember it next week when you try it. And you're like, oh, if you don't say, oh, that you don't, you're not as joyful. And so when the Bible over and over and over again says, praise God, praise him, worship him, praise him, it's not because God is some egomaniac that is just saying, praise me now. If you don't, I'm very upset. It's because it's actually an invitation to experience the joy even greater. When God calls us to praise him, when the Bible invites us to praise him, it really is an invitation to enjoy. It is when a friend comes to you and says, taste this. Oh, this is amazing. This is so good. Try this. Watch this. Read this. Look at this. Oh, it it's an invitation to a deeper and more complete joy. And so what we look at in Psalm 50 is this invitation. This invitation to complete our joy. And what, what is it that God's invitation says? When God invites us, to experience joy with him. What does the invitation say? God, listen, God today is inviting you to enjoy him. What does he say in his invitation when he calls us? Psalm 150. Here's what it says. Hallelujah. It's a good start. That just means praise God, by the way. Hallelujah. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty expanse. Praise him for his powerful acts. Praise him for his abundant greatness. Praise him with trumpet blast. Praise him with harp and lyre. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and flute. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Praise him with clashing cymbals. Let everything that breathes praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, here's what this walks us through as it tells us what God's invitation to praise says. It tells us where we worship God and why we worship God and how we worship God and who should worship God. So let's look at those. First, it tells us where we worship God. It starts saying, praise God in his sanctuary. And the sanctuary is when God's people came together, the temple. Or for us, it's this. It's a parking lot. This is God's sanctuary today for us. 
It is when God's people come together in a, in a specific place for specific time set apart to listen to him, to focus on him, to celebrate him, to hear from him, to remember what he has done. It is to praise God in his sanctuary. Now listen, many people dismiss the importance of this. And I'm not talking to those of you that are online and for various reasons you, you need to be or have to be online. I'm not talking to that. But many people dismiss the importance of God's people gathering together, saying, I, you know, I, I don't need church or I can listen to sermons online or I, I don't need to. But over and over and over again, the Bible commands us, calls us, but better for this is really invites us to experience his presence with his people and says, praise him in his sanctuary, that this matters so much. There's something of God that can only be experienced when we are together for set apart time that we miss out on if we don't have. Praise him in his sanctuary. Praise him in his expanse. To talk about the expanse is, is really just the heavens, the sky above. And to say praise him in his expanse is to say enjoy him here. Today we get to do both. We, the sanctuary and the expanse combined. That's, that's amazing. And he says praise him in his expanse. Look, many of us, you live in Colorado unless you're visiting, but you, we're here in Colorado. We love the outdoors. We love the outdoors and we like to be outside. And some people even say the mountains, that's my church. And there's, there's a lot wrong with that. But there's also a lot right with that. And the right with it is to say that God created these trees. God created these clouds. God created the sky. God created the animals. God, God created so much around us. And it does reveal something about him. Listen, this would be my encouragement to you, Coloradans, Denverites. Is when you go outdoors, when you enjoy a great hike or whatever it is that you like to do, skiing or climbing or rafting or biking or walking, whatever it is that you like to do, when, when you do that, li listen to what Psalm 150 says. It says, praise him in his mighty expanse. It's his. And so don't just enjoy it, but allow it to be an opportunity to worship God, to say, God, you made this and this is good and beautiful. God made the wind, you know? Everything's got a, it creates bad sound on my mic, but it feels nice. And let's take the, the nice feeling, okay? Here's what this means. Where we worship God, this psalm tells us. That it means this, God is present everywhere. It means that God is here right now. When, when the psalm calls us and says, here's where you worship God, everywhere, he's here. That means right now, God is here. And everywhere that we are, every place, whether it's at your home or at work or outside or wherever you are, is a time to worship God. It's where God is. So this is where we worship God. Why do we worship God? He tells us for his work and his worth. His work, his salvation, he says, to praise God for his powerful acts. And when the Bible often talks about his powerful acts, it doesn't just mean God flexing his muscles. It, it, it means that God's work of salvation in the lives of his people. We praise God for his powerful acts, his deliverance of his people. In the Old Testament, often they thought back to the time of the Exodus when God delivered his people out of Egypt, out of slavery. Now, when we think about God's work, his powerful acts, his salvation. We think about in our lives, 
the salvation that Jesus has given to us. When you think about your life, what powerful acts has God done? What salvation has God done for you in your life that you can think about and praise him for? See, the call to praise God over and over again, praise him, praise him. And if, if, you don't, if you can't think of, here's who God's been to me, here's what he's done for me, that's often difficult then to praise him. But when you think about your life, where have you seen God show up? Maybe it's your past. Maybe it's a time of suffering that God's been present for. Maybe it's in giving you community. Maybe it's in experiencing his forgiveness when you know man, I didn't deserve that. Maybe it's his patience with you in your life when time and time again you didn't get it, but he was patiently sanctifying and changing you. We think about God's powerful acts. Where do you see him showing up in your life? What this is telling us is God is not a distant God. He's present. He's acting. When we talk about God, we don't talk about God as if he's up there. We talk about God as a God that comes in and acts into our life. He is not a removed God. He is an acting, powerfully acting God. So we praise him for his work and we praise him for his worth or his character, just who he is. When you think about what you like in your friends or in your spouse or people around you, when you think about what it is that you like, you often think about things that they have done for you and you think about just their personality and who they are. And this is what the psalm calls us to praise God for his work and his worth, his character. It says to praise him for his abundant greatness, his abundant greatness. And and over and over again in the Bible, a lot of times God's character or his acts are prefaced with some superlative, something that amplifies it. So it's not just God's greatness, it is his abundant greatness greatness. So if you think about God's character and you think about what makes God great, maybe you think about his compassion, that he is tender with us. But it's not just that he is compassionate, it is that he is abundantly compassionate. God is not just a personality characteristic, he is abundant and perfected in all of those things. God is not only gracious, He is abundantly, that means an overflowing amount. He is abundantly gracious. He is gracious. He is compassionate. He is forgiving. He is gentle. He is patient. He is kind. And he is abundant in all of those things. Anything that you think of who God is, he is abundant in all of those ways to you. It is not just that God is some abundant God out there. God is abundantly, this is where, listen, this is why this is so important. God is abundantly gracious to you. You feel like you need God's grace and you're not sure how much of it you can tap into. Maybe you've used it up. Maybe he's a little bit gracious to you, but you've kind of had your second chance. You've even had your third chance. He says God is abundantly gracious. When you think that you've reached the end of it, there's more. And when you think you've reached the end of that, there's more. I remember one time we got this red box, you know, the little uh, DVDs you can get. We got this red box code and we used it and then we used it again and it like never ran out. We just kept using it. 
I, have, I actually have six of those boxes in my house right now. No, not really. But we kept using it. And I don't know if it was a glitch or if it was some special code that went for a month. But a friend had given it to me and it just kept going right when you thought, okay, it's going to run out this time. It was another DVD and another DVD. We were watching things we didn't even want to see just because we felt like it was good stewardship. We had to. That is God. He is abundant in whatever aspect, whatever character to you. You feel like you need God's patience. You feel like you need his, you feel like you need him to listen to you in your prayers. Do you feel like he is abundant? So we praise him for his work and we praise him for his worth. We see this in Jesus. Jesus's work and worth is who God is. We see the abundant character of God, the work of God in Christ. Now it's interesting how simple this is to say, praise him for his acts and praise him for his greatness, but he doesn't spell it out. He doesn't, he doesn't give you even any examples like I just did. But it's because the Psalms have spent 149 chapters talking about God's work and his greatness. They've talked about his work and his worth, his character and his action over and over and over again. And so he can simplify it in shorthand just by saying that because the basis of it is in those 149 chapters that have come before. And this is helpful for us. It's helpful for us because it says, where do we get, where do we get the, the ammunition to praise God? Where do we get the fuel to praise God? for his work and his worth. If you just say, I'm going to go home and praise him for his worth, and that's all you have, it'll probably feel really shallow. But if you've spent 149 chapters thinking about, singing about, writing about, meditating on who God is and what he's done, then you can say it in shorthand, which is helpful for us and an invitation to us to say, we must be pouring our heart out to God in prayer like the Psalms, like we've been learning and reading and meditating. Simplicity. To say, you can say God is good or God is love and mean so much by that because of 149 chapters. This is why we worship God. How do we worship God? How do we worship God? He says, he gives us all these things with trumpet blast, with harp and lyre, with tambourine and dance, with strings and flute, with resounding cymbals, with clashing cymbals. And the point of that, there's really a couple things we can get from that. One is it's to say that with amplification, God is such, God is so glorious, so good, so abundant in all the things that we just discussed. God has been so good to us and is so good that words alone don't justify at the peak moments of celebration in our life, we, or even the peak emotional moments, whether those are sorrow or celebration, music is used to amplify those things. We went to a wedding recently, a socially distanced wedding. And of course, if you've been to a wedding, whether yours or a friend's, when the bride walks down the aisle, they play music. I've never, I'm sure there is a wedding that has done this, but I've never been to a wedding where it was just absolutely silent and she just kind of awkwardly walked down and people stared at her. I've never seen that happen. Maybe someone did that and, you know, the wedding planner was like, told you you should have paid out the big bucks. But what happens is music says, this needs more than words. This is special. 
So let's play some music for it. When you're getting pumped up in a, if you go see a Broncos game or whatever, whatever, you know, one day, five years from now, when you go see a, you know, a game, they play music to amp you up, even in movies, right? You're just sitting on your couch, but, but they, play, they play music on the key emotional parts to say, this is important, this matters. God is saying, my character, my action is such that I invite you in to enjoy me, not just with words, not just with thoughts, but with music to amplify. I want clanging cymbals. I want clashing. I want tambourines. I want, I want there to be harps. And, and that doesn't sound very exciting, but I want leers. And I, I want music to amplify. Because God invites us in to taste and experience how good he is. With joy, with amplification, and with diversity. It's not just, I want an army of flutes. It's that God is saying, I want all of this different instrumentation because God is such that different things move us in different ways and bring out his goodness and character in different ways. God calls us to worship him. How? With amplification, with diversity. And all of that also means together, by the way. You can't buy, God isn't saying by yourself, I want you to blow the trumpet, play the harp, play the lyre, clash. It's an invitation to do this together. Because again, there's something about God that we can only experience when we are together as his people. The core of that, when it says, how do we, when we think about how we worship God with amplification, diversity, the core of that is to say with our whole self, with everything that we are not kind of partially coming to God and just like, okay, yeah, God, you're pretty good. But it's bring your, all your energy, all yourself to him because that's who he is. That's what he's worth. And in so doing, the joy is completed. I would encourage you towards that. Even here, I know we don't have harps and leers and clashing, tam, you know, clashing cymbals for the love of our neighbors. But I would invite you to bring your whole self to worship God. Who should worship God? Final part. Who should worship God? It says, let everything that breathes praise the Lord. Let everything that breathes praise the Lord. God says, I want everyone. What does that mean? Well, first, that's an invitation to you. It's an invitation to say, whoever you are, you're young, you're old, you're married, you're single, whatever ethnicity you are, whatever past, whether you just became a Christian, whether you're, you're not a Christian and you're exploring, whoever you are, whether you live in a condo or a house, what, whoever you are, God is saying, I want you. Let everything that breathes praise the Lord is a comprehensive, expansive invitation that God is saying, I want you to enjoy me. I want you to taste my goodness. I want you to be able to have your joy completed. That when, when God is saying, let everything that breathes praise the Lord, it's an invitation. That's how we should read it. To say, that means me. He's talking about me. He's saying he wants me to enjoy him. And it should also lead us to inspiration. And by that, I mean that when we hear the Psalms say, let everything that breathes praise the Lord. 
we know that's what's we know that's not what's happening we know that there are many that breathe that do not praise the lord we know that there are many that breathe that do not enjoy god we know that there are many that breathe that do not enjoy his work and his worth we know that there are many that are missing out on who god wants to be to them and for them And so it should also compel us as we pray that, as we say that, as we sing that, as we receive it, it should compel us to say, yeah, I want that for others too. Let everything, let everyone in our city and in our neighborhoods praise the Lord. Let everyone experience our good God. It should should inspire us to want that to be true. It should move our hearts when we know that so many don't get to enjoy and experience him. And so the Psalms, this book that has meditated on God's goodness and his work and who he is, really ends with a call to say, receive this and want this for others. Want this for other people. And here's how this works. He says, hallelujah, which is praise God. And then it goes, these calls, praise, 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 and then ends with hallelujah. And really there's a cycle there of a personal experience to just by yourself in some sense to say, praise God. And then a community call with each other saying, praise him this way and praise him that way. And he's speaking to others to do something. And then it goes from personal to public and then back to personal again. Hallelujah. See, that's how God works in our lives. He gives us something deeply personal that moves then to a public experience that then becomes deeply personal that leads then to another public experience. Now here's what this means for us. Here's the the final kind of application points that I would give to us really from all the Psalms, but from this one in particular. This This is where God is inviting us to read the Bible. I know it sounds so simple, but to read the Bible and to pour our hearts out to God in prayer to see who he is and to pray to him. He invites us to have that personal experience with him so that we can enter into the joy. And then he invites us together to experience that, which is where I would invite you. And obviously you're already here, but I would invite you to be here together. And if you're not in a community group, I would invite you to join a community group. God invites us to experience him in a deeply personal way and to let that overflow into being with his people, which then leads into personal and it's a cycle that's lifelong. I want for us to be formed as a church, as a people, as individuals by connecting our life to God as the Psalms does. I want that to be our church. I want that to be for myself. I want that to be for you is to be shaped by in every part of the journey of life be shaped by your life connected to God when we take communion which we're going to do here in just a minute when we take communion what we are doing is remembering Jesus Jesus said this do in remembrance of me and we're remembering him as the God that we just talked about we're remembering him as the God that is present when Jesus came he said that he was the temple. He is where God's presence is. When, the whole, when Jesus sent the Holy Spirit, he said, I dwell now with you, my church. 
We are remembering Jesus present with us. We are remembering Jesus as the God whose work and worth was shown. That on the cross, his salvation, we are forgiven of our sins, that he lived the perfect life and he died the death that you and I deserve. And he resurrected to give us life. His work and his worth shown in Jesus. And we remember a God that invites us to worship him. We remember in Jesus the call where he invites all to come to him. When we take communion, this is what we remember. The call to praise. The call to praise is a call to wake up, to see who God is rightly, to have our affections rightly perceive him and enjoy him. The call to praise is God's invitation to us to enjoy him. And when we take communion, we have all the reasons and all the remembrance to enter into that enjoyment. This is what God wants for each of us. So take a couple minutes, pray as you take communion. You can also use this time to go to our Next Steps page and take some next step. That might be to get into a community group if that's the next step for you. It might be to start serving It might be to start giving as an act of worship. It may be to just learn more. It may be to get resources for reading your Bible and praying. Whatever it is, I invite you, whether you're online or here, to take a next step. Don't let this be the end. Let it be the beginning.